Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're happy to be with you on this Friday. I hope everybody's doing great. We have a super guest for you today, Dr. Chris Auger, who's a board-certified coach. He was formerly a U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, lieutenant commander, and it's very strange for me to be calling him Dr. Auger because I've known him for so long, way before he was Dr. Auger. But uh, before we bring Chris on, uh, let me welcome my co-host, Mr. Happy Friday, Matthew Warner. (laughs) How are you, Mr. Happy Friday? Yeah, I'm not so happy. I've been cutting down trees the last couple of days and pretty exhausted. But I'm in sunny Southern California, or California. He's in Florida. Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was He's not there anymore, though. <laughs> exactly. We're in sunny Southern Florida. We don't know where we are. Not California. <laughs> but uh, yeah, happy Friday, everybody. And uh, hope everybody's doing well, especially amongst this uh, holiday season. So. Um, yeah, look forward to the show. Super. Yeah, as as our audience knows, Matthew and I have been on the move now for two years. Uh, we are wanted in seven countries. I'm no, just kidding. We, we have been escaping uh, Hurricane Ian, uh, rebuilding our house here on Sanibel while we uh, moved to the Palm Beach area. We've been living on our, our boat, uh, a.k.a. our yacht. For the last year, we're finally going to be getting into our home next week. That's our puppy playing with his toy in the background. We're going to have to take that toy away from him. He's happy. He's a happy boy, like his dad. Uh, let me just introduce Chris Auger here and uh, let you get to know him uh, a little bit. You know, I originally met Chris, and he may not remember this, but we met at the University of Michigan the Global Leadership Forum that was being held by Dr. Noel Tishy, who is one of my mentors and one of the greats in organization development and leadership. Uh, Noel uh, invited me to co-facilitate and teach, instruct that course with him. And Chris was among, I think, about 10 other SEALs that were in the program. And uh, it it was a a very nice meeting, uh, and uh, we became fast colleagues. And then uh, when Chris became the uh, XO for the Center for Seal and SWIC, uh, we actually joined and collaborated uh, with a captain there who was uh, his uh, commanding officer on uh, doing some work with Navy Special Warfare. So let me give you some background on Chris, and then he's going to want to correct everything I just said, just like Matt does. These guys don't like when I say things that Dr. Chris Auger serves with Windshape Teams as a team and leader development certified coach. He enjoys facilitating meaningful and impactful client experiences that yield innovative and enduring solutions. In this role, he uses his experience and certifications to specialize in combining self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and servant leadership to build leaders, followers, and teams that are high-performing at work, at home, and at play. One of Chris's passions uh, for strong teams and leaders was ignited and developed 
during the course of his nearly 28 years as a U.S. Navy SEAL. Chris served 12 years as an enlisted U.S. Navy SEAL and then 16 years as a commissioned SEAL officer. He rose to the rank of Lieutenant Commander, selected for Commander 05. Chris turned down the promotion to pursue more time with family and opted to retire in March of 2015. He remains dedicated to seeing high-performing teams come to truly know and care for one another and to help each other become better. He's passionate about helping others become better versions of themselves so that together they all flourish in life and work. Dr. Auger is a board-certified coach from the Center for Credentialing and Education. He's also certified to administer the Emotional Intelligence Quotient 2.0. He is... um, uh, a Wiley Certified Disc Assessor, and a Full Focus Planner Certified Pro. He also does the Berkman, and most recently, he does the PR or the Pro-D assessment. He received his doctorate in strategic leadership with a concentration in leadership coaching in May of 2018 from Regent University. He's earned his Master of Science in Global Leadership from the University of San Diego with an emphasis in project management international business. And uh, he did his undergrad at the University of Maryland. And I think the last thing I want to say here is that Chris has an amazing wife, Sandra, who's put up with him for 31 years. And he has an amazing daughter, Alexis, who, with her husband, Michael, have a daughter. And I think it's amazing that Chris wanted his daughter to do anything but marry a seal. And she did. So with that said, I'm going to introduce Chris to the show. And Chris, if you want to take a whack at me, you go right ahead. Well, I mean, like, I, uh, you know, as I was listening, no, uh, no arrows, no shade thrown your way, nothing but respect and, uh, and love. But uh, when you call somebody a former Navy SEAL, it usually indicates that they didn't retire. So just a... a a, a minor detail, but when you pay the man the 20 years, it, it, it makes a difference. So retired Navy SEAL, and then when we met, we actually, the two of us, actually took a brainstorming idea about coaching in the SEAL community and using assessments early and often throughout a SEAL's career, because typically you get a SEAL for 20 years. So using assessments and training our warrant officers at each command to coach SEALs through their assessments and be able to use those data points more effectively was a brilliant idea that we came up with. Unfortunately, Sequester killed it because it was going to be expensive to actually get it across the line, but it would have been great once we got everybody caught up because people truly would have been able to take different types of data points from all the assessments that are out there and be more effective in the battlefield. But, alas, budgeting got us on that one. Well, no worries, because uh, there were plenty of times I was called back after that to, uh, to assist in other ways. And so we, whatever you started there certainly took, you know, got a foothold. And you can see emotional intelligence is everywhere now. So I'm glad you got us started there. So tell us a little bit about who's influenced you the most. I guess that's a a number of people help me uh, help point me in the right direction here so that I can give you what uh, the audience would get the most from, Kathy. Yeah, Chris. So 
I'll just chime in here. So as far as like just growing up and how did you get into the teams? Um, you know, I have my story. There's, uh, you know, several of us, of us that have different stories. Um, but just curious and just to let the audience know, you know, especially going through, you know, the harshest environments and getting trained to uh, push yourself, but also just not physically, but, you know, 80% mentally, um, you know, who did you look up to and who got you uh, into what you, what, uh, what you started as a career? And, uh, you know, what was your, what was your grounding? As I like to say, <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the question and the clarification. Uh, it's kind of comical, but uh, I'd have to say in, in that aspect, it would be my dad because he was a master chief seal and uh, but I'll be honest, six months before I joined the Navy, I had no desires whatsoever to be in the Navy, um, mainly because I didn't know who my dad was because he was always deployed doing doing the deed of being in the teams. His attitude was, hey, you know, uh, haze gray and underway. It, it was just if you, if you weren't deployed, you weren't doing your job. So didn't really have any insights. But growing up underneath the Navy SEAL, it was pretty comical. Um, my share of, you know, climbing trees, eating worms, and doing stuff for audiences uh, growing up as a young lad at, at various keg parties was uh, kind of comical because there wasn't much my brothers and I wouldn't do if Dad said do it. So, you know, in, in fact, when I was getting ready to ship out to Bud's, I was really frustrated with him because I felt like he was holding back on the secret sauce. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he finally... He finally came out to me. He said, I can take you out back and make you do uh, push-ups until you throw up, and you'll do it. He goes, it, it, it isn't the dog and the fight. It's the fight and the dog. I just hope that I've raised you in a way that when you go out there, you know what you want, and you get after it. And that's effectively what happened. I mean, I joined the Navy on the Sea College program, and that's the petty officer at the MEP station basically lied to me and said I could go to boot camp and take the field test and get an A school and just extend for a couple of years and then get out and go to college after that. So in the middle of boot camp, after I had a, a confirmed allegation against the, the MEPs guy that he lied to me because he admitted it, he thought he was telling me the truth. They rewrote my <laughs> they discharged me and rewrote my contract in the middle of boot camp. So it was... Uh, <laughs> It was a humbling moment to be sitting there with a bald head going, do I really want to do this? Because technically I'm out of the Navy at this moment. But uh, signed on for it and went out to California and then fell in love with being in the teams. And then that's what, uh, that's what projected me into the community. Um, my brother, who was also a SEAL, we actually deployed together in our thir my third platoon over to the Mediterranean. So that was... Uh, Another tidbit of information that, you know, it just, it kind of ran in the family. So, a legacy. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, as we, uh, as we, you know, kind of come to this part in the show, uh, I like to kind of introduce the idea that, of course, our show is about turbulent times and things that we have planned for that we could not have possibly dreamed would happen in the process of delivering on our mission. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, given the story you just shared, you probably have more than one of those stories. But uh, 
I'd love to share with the audience uh, a little bit of experience that you've had in, uh, in any part of your career that might relate to that type of a, a turbulent time where you were able to, uh, to get done what you had planned for, despite the fact that you had derailed in the process. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's, I mean, that is the story of my career, really. I mean, before I even joined the Navy, I, I had financial aid lined up for college, and they were going to pay me to go to school. Unfortunately, my parents' accountant claimed me on their income taxes and killed all my financial aid. So I stayed out of school for a year and worked real hard thinking that a starving college student would be able to collect financial aid. But President Bush basically changed the rules in 1987 from going back one year to going back two years. So I had to pivot. I think you can look at my career as a whole, and it's just a series of points of, you know, getting to a point and then having a a crossroad, and it was, okay, which way do you want to go, and, and pivoting. So I pivoted to join the Navy and go to college and get them to pay for it. And then I passed the field test and had to pivot and go, okay, now what do you want to do? And it was go to BUDS. Right before getting out of BUDS, I had a master chief that I grew up with walk up to me and go, okay, what team do you want to go to? And I said, send me to SDVs. And he's like, are you sure about that? Because nobody asked to go to SDVs. So I went to field delivery vehicle team two. <laughs> Matt's laughing. <laughs> but I grew up crawling around in them, and, I mean, I wanted to be a frogman. So I went to SDVs. And, again, that was another one of those pivot moments. And in the process of going to SDVs, we, we wrote the curriculum on how to lock out of submarines and, and waterproof gear before there was all this sexy gear out there to, to waterproof things. I mean, I can remember using bicycle clamps and inner tubes to put our gear into to seal it up so that we could lock out at depth and then get across the beach and do the mission as snipers. So it's uh, the career as a whole has been a pivot throughout. I think a monumental point might have been when I transitioned from being a chief in the steel teams to deciding that my family was going to be more important to me. And I actually had to uh, look in the mirror and go, are you the the husband you would want your daughter to have? And are you the husband your wife deserves? And it was an undeniable no. And then the next question to the guy in the mirror is, okay, what are you going to do about it? So that's when I transitioned out of the, out of the Navy, pivoted again into the reserves, but got re- recruited to go to a civilian contracting job and teach the SEALs how to use mission planning equipment. Uh, yeah, I tell you, Chris, this is uh, so many thoughts going through my head right now. And I tell you, it's just like the saying that we have, the only easy day was yesterday. And as you're talking about pivoting, when life throws you, you know, something that you just, as we all experience, you, you don't you don't know what's coming next. And that's why that saying is so true. The only easy day was yesterday. But we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, looking forward to to uh, more of your experiences and uh, just hearing about your careers and really excited about what you're doing now and how you got from uh, the only easy day was yesterday to, uh, you know, flourishing, being successful with uh, with what you're doing today. So, all right. So if uh, so 
we'll be back here in uh, in a short period of time and uh, happy Friday everybody Voice America is on LinkedIn connect with us today results will always favor the peak performer MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're talking to Dr. Chris Auger, executive coach and team leader development expert at Windshape Teams. Chris, Windshape Teams, tell us a little bit about what Windshape Teams does and, and what company uh, do you do most of your work with? Okay. Well, you know, just, just as a, a, a sidebar, before we dive into that, Kathy, um, just for the audience, I got a little bit of a wire brushing because I used a uh, acronym, SDVs. That's a sealed <laughs> delivery vehicle. It's a 22-foot wet sub- submersible that launches off the back of a U.S. submarine. So we could literally leave the pier in Norfolk, Virginia, and go anywhere in the world, never be seen, and show up back at the pier, and nobody would have known where we were. By a wet submersible, I mean you're sitting in water in a wetsuit, I'm not going to get into how long, but it's enough to make you colder than you've ever been in your life. Uh, and it's probably more miserable than you've ever been in your life. And that's just the first half of, half of the op before you even cross the beach and go in and do the deed. 
Then you get to come back out with that to look forward to because you're going to climb back into that thing, get back underwater, and blow bubbles for lots of hours until you get back to the submarine. So uh, it's an incredible asset, but yes, it uh, sealed delivery vehicle is what an SBV is. Any other well, thoughts I, on that, Kathy? No worries. I was going to get around to that, but I'm glad I'm glad you got ahead of me there. Yeah, we got to you know, look. I'm sure <laughs> law enforcement, which is by and large our you know our our audience, understand the importance of acronyms. It cuts down on communication error and expedites communication as well. Uh, so we're good. Thank you. I appreciate that as a, uh, a civilian. And uh, let's, let's kind of pivot here, since that seems to be the word of the hour, to the, um, to the present. So Windshape Teams, a little bit about them, what they do, and what kind of company they are. Well, Windshape Teams is a 501c3 not-for-profit. It was initially started by Truett Cathy of Chick-fil-A. Um, back in 1984, he was presented with an opportunity to create a college program on the Barry University campus. That, now, that's a campus that's about 27,000 contiguous acres of uh, land, and it's the biggest, con- biggest campus in the world, from my understanding, uh, that is all one lump of land together. It isn't piecemealed across the city or anything like that. And... Uh, he started, uh, he, he looked at the land and said, okay, my kids went to, uh, you know, uh, camp. And uh, as he was looking at his college program, he understood that the summer it was going dormant. And he said, what else can we use that time for? And he basically said, well, let's start a boys camp. Now, his wife kind of looked at him and said, well, what about the girls? Through it, being a good man, said, okay, we'll have to fix that. <laughs> they started one on main campus for the girls, and then basically they had a college program where young adults would come into the college program and then do a work program, basically walk through a defined leadership development process through their freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior years, and basically be ahead of their peers on the other side. The camps program is 7 to 17, better to fix young adults than fix them when, they're up, when they are adults. So that's what the camps program was about. He was reading the paper one uh, one Saturday morning, the Atlanta Journal, and saw that a child a week was being abandoned at the airport. So he set up a homes program where it was indefinite foster care, where they would care for a child. The parents would be paid parents, and they'd basically be walked through the entire uh, life cycle all the way up through college. So that's a phenomenal program. There's 12 uh, 12 homes throughout the southeast right now, and then one transition home. So then they started a retreat center, and with the retreat center, they also started the idea of a marriage camp, and then couples can go there, everything from pre-marriage, get thinking about wanting to be married, all the way to the papers are signed or about to be signed, the marriage is in a ditch, and that's a marriage-intensive um, couple. It's partnered with Focus on the Family and basically five days of 10 hours of group counseling to basically save the marriage. And they've got about an 84% success rate. But along with all that, a couple of college grads decided they would take a ropes course that was in disrepair, fix it up and create an experience. And that was Windshape Wilderness. In 2016, they basically adopted the Chick-fil-A leadership development uh, platform and they wanted to go deeper 
with more people rather than really, really wide with a bunch of college and high school students. They actually now started focusing on corporate entities, not-for-profits, as well as pastoral groups and teams. And essentially, there's two programs. There's a leader development program, and then there's a team development program. So right now, we have leader retreats. We have team retreats. And then when COVID hit, they had me accelerate developing and building out a coaching program. So there's now a group coaching, team coaching, one-on-one coaching, and even coaching uh, intensives where somebody will come in and that'll be a one-on-one coaching session for about two and a half days. Well, and anybody can go to these or what's the admission criteria? Absolutely. If they go to the Windshape Foundation website, windshape.org, and the Windshape is Shaping Winners, so it's win, W-I-N, shape, and then .org, if you go to that page, you can see the various uh, ministries that are there. Now, while it is a faith-based organization, the programs are delivered in a language and a familiarity with corporate groups, with not-for-profits. There isn't anything that is force-fed to anybody in that way. And the idea for Winshape Teams is, is they take content, they marry it with activities that you then get to take the content and test it, kind of like a lab. And then there's a portion where you actually get to engage in deep conversation and reflection. Ultimately, the goal is to take the content, put it on the table and sit next to them and have a great dialogue about it. Encourage them to actually go take it for a spin in the activities. The activities are everything from ropes courses to human puzzles to uh, competitions, anything that would encourage and force a team to work together in a dynamic where we can add stress. Now, early on, I suggested we shoot over the tops of the heads of people to create a more stressful environment, but my leadership frowned upon that, so I had to kind of couch that for a while. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But it does. Well, I mean, <laughs> exhaustion, fatigue. Let's talk about well-being here. So, so Chris, um, we've gotten to that point in the show where uh, I'd love for you to to share a, a turbulent time that really made a difference in who you are now and possibly help the audience understand, you know, how difficult sometimes it is to be uh, in, you know, in a, in a place where you have planned and planned and planned, but the execution mm-hmm. didn't necessarily follow that plan. Well, I, I, I think, my situation, I, I, it, it's actually a, a span of time, if you will. It's six months. Now, my position at that point in time was at the Advanced Training Center uh, in Coronado, and I looked at the short list and saw where officers were being sent for deployment, and I was on the short list. So I could either go do something that I've already done, a Joint Operations Center night watch, or I could volunteer for something else that might be interesting. Now, mind you, this was January of 2011 when I volunteered for this particular position that they couldn't find anybody else to fill. And it was a position in Pakistan, but if I remind the audience that there was a point in time in May that we dispatched a unique individual in Pakistan, and uh, they were pretty frustrated with SEALs at that point in time for invading their country and killing somebody. Now, 
mind you, my visa didn't get approved till after we had done that because it was delayed, delayed, delayed. And I was entering into the country under uncertain times. I mean, on a typical day, we didn't know if the guns were going to be pointed in or out with us against the bad guys. Um, and that led into a series of events down at the consulate in Karachi, Pakistan. Now, our mission down in Karachi, Pakistan, was to come alongside the maritime special forces there for Pakistan and help aid and assist them in a way that would allow them to operate for extended periods of time out on the open water. Now, I had, I've got some humorous stories about the warrant that was with me, but we'll keep to the story and the script. It was uh, a unique situation, and what I think I lacked at the time was an ability to use my emotional intelligence in a most effective way. Now, what I also didn't quite understand is that there just might be the possibility that people would see things differently than I did. Not better, not worse, but differently. So, in one instance, there was a particular situation. Well, I mean, let's just start when we showed up on day one. We literally drove our vehicle around the consulate and had to do a stop U-turn in the middle of what most people would say was an unseemly part of town, a.k.a. where all the bad guys hang out, and then you would enter into the consulate, basically putting you on the X, and putting you on the X is basically putting you in harm's way to the maximum with nothing, with, with you not having any ability to, to protect yourself. So we went to security and we helped them see the insanity behind that and create a more hardened facility. Now, in the process of creating a, a, a more hardened facility, basically they put up the Jersey barriers that are taller than 12 feet and they created a route that guarded the consulate in such a way that the consulate itself was better for having to do that. It was a a more secure facility at that point in time. In addition to doing that, the warrant and I created a comm plan that everybody could use. It was literally we took Excel spreadsheets and we overlaid that grid on top of a picture of the consulate and created a left-hand column of eight or one through 25. And then we went A through Z across the bottom so that you could communicate in the clear where somebody was. The consulate liked this idea so much that they actually shrunk it down and gave everybody one for their lanyard to hang around their neck so that during the day, if they found themselves in a bad spot or if anybody was coming over the wall, they could communicate where they were simply by going, I'm in Charlie 12. And then everybody would know what grid they were in and could go and render assistance. Mm-hmm. Now, that came to actual need farther down the road because we had actually worked with the Marines as well and convinced them that having names for two things was a bad idea when things were being very stressful. So we used colors to mark all the corners of the buildings 
Most people don't understand that the Marines are not there to protect the people in a consulate. They're there to protect the classified. The people are a tertiary or a fourth level of importance to the Marines. So the main purpose for the Marines is to protect the classified or destroy it in the process so that it isn't compromised. So we had an incident where it was one of those days that the Pakistanis were mad at the Americans again. And we had about 3,000 people on our fence climbing up on top of the barbed wire. And we, genu- we genuinely thought that we were going to be overrun. Now, my warrant and I, we basically volunteered as part of the security team. And we got up on one of the corners of the buildings. And it was time to rock and roll if somebody came over the wall. Now, the challenging point is, being in the military, we see a problem. We take care of the problem. I think if somebody's motivated enough to come over a 10-foot wall with razor wire on top of it, they've got malintent in their heart. Mm-hmm. However, the State Department official didn't see it that way. We had to wait till they got to the building and showed some type of malice. So the warrant and I basically, after being threatened to have our guns taken away from us, we just agreed to their rules of engagement, and the two of us agreed that it would be better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. So if somebody came over the wall, well, we were going to uh, eliminate the threat to the best of our ability. So it was just a, a constant, there was iteration after iteration of what was going on, because shortly after that, we had a situation where they locked down the consulate because we had indications that they were going to drive a car through the outer wall and then drive a dump truck into our Basically, it was like a hotel or a barracks. Uh, That's where everybody stayed. And they were going to drive the dump truck into that building. But because the warrant and I showed up with a mindset of get to versus have to, we got to help them harden their facility. We got to create a comm plan. We just showed up with a different mindset of how to be there. How could we add value in the moment? And... We showed up, and instead of seeking to take from the consulate, because we needed the consulate. We needed the consulate's uh, access and placement and points of contact to do the job that we wanted to do or needed to do. But we showed up with a give mindset. Go ahead, Kathy. I'm sorry. I'm just going to ask you to hold that thought for a minute. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. And I hope everybody comes okay. back because it's a fascinating story about really – dealing with, you know, turbulent times. Uh, So I hope you don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. 
They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to uh, Strategies for Turbulent Times. Uh, We have an amazing guest with us today. Uh, Dr. Chris Auger, and he's sharing a story which is very intriguing about uh, an experience he had when he deployed over to uh, Pakistan and um, just the challenges of balancing um, what many of us look at as far as, um, you know, why, why, is, why is the U.S. so reactive when the reality is that there's many of us, especially in special operations, that are very proactive. However, sometimes politics gets in the uh, gets in the way of what we believe is going to be right to save our own um, our own asses. Um, but also, what's going to be you know the best way to save other people that are around us? But he's sharing a, a, a very intriguing story about being in a, a hairy situation over in Pakistan. So, Chris, if uh, if you can just continue on with that story, that'd be great. Well, just to uh, to chime back in, like I was saying, is is that, you know, from day one, the warrant and I had to have, I mean, we had to readjust our perspective. Um, and what's interesting is, is the State Department uses a lot of diplomacy. And when the military is called in, well, diplomacy has not worked out so well. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are diplomats still want to keep pushing that button and pushing that button. But again, the, the, the folks... You know, the way I, you know, when, when I was contemplating how to talk about this is, is that if you imagine a couple hundred people as part of a giant cross-functional team and everybody's <laughs> got a different perspective at how to yeah. see problem sets and nobody's more right or less right than anybody else, 
They, they're just coming at it from a different angle. And as I was alluding to earlier is, is that the warrant and I basically showed up with a, a perspective and a mindset. We're not quite sure what's going on here. We've got a job to do. But how do we show up with a get-to mindset versus a have-to mindset? Because when you get to do something, you're going to be better at it. If it feels like it's a task and you have to do it, you're not going to be quite as effective. And this will all come around when we get into EQ and team and leader development later on. And we showed up to give and add value versus take from the consulate. Now, we could have taken, we could have used our authorities and said, no, you have to do this because I say so. And then we could have run that up the flagpole and the flagpole would have come back down and they would have given us what we were asking for. But it was better to be able to just show up with, how can I add value here in this particular situation? Helping the embassy harden itself and become a, a much uh, harder target for bad guys was a great win for the consulate because the people there felt safer to do the job that they were called there to do. But then on the, the third aspect of that perspective is, is that showing up with a go-first mentality as opposed to waiting for something to be needing to be done. The warrant and I basically showed up with an attitude of, okay, what needs to be done? All right, I got it. I can go do that. All right, you need some people to run some equipment over to another agency that's in downtown? Yeah, we can do that. Do you know where you're going? No, we'll figure it out. I mean, it was kind of that dynamic, and they just appreciated spec ops guys showing up with that perspective because sometimes some of our brothers are a little full of themselves and they can, they can create some, some, some bad air between the people that live there long-term and us who show up, come in to do a job and then leave after we basically make a a mess of things. Um, So again, the idea is, is that we created a hardened target and then it came to our attention that, they were interested in bombing the consulate. They were going to drive a car through the wall and then drive a cement truck full of explosives into our building that we slept in. Because of our efforts, though, and making it a much, hardened, a much harder facility to get through, they opted to go after the police chief, and they got half his family because his facility wasn't as hardened as ours. Now, hmm. in the midst of doing that, we actually had one of the diplomats because they locked down the consulate and nobody was going in or out. And this particular individual was upset that they weren't going to get to go to dinner with their dinner partner that evening. Now, not knowing enough about emotional intelligence, I pretty much let the guy have it and cut him off at the knees for being an idiot. You know, there was a reason that we locked down the consulate. We weren't picking on him as an individual. The fact that, people were actually outside the gate that wanted to kill us was the highest priority. This individual mm-hmm. had a job to do and they were just trying to do it. When I ran into Kathy after getting to the center for seal and swick up in Michigan, it dawned on me that if I had had that training before I went to work with a bunch of diplomats, people that thought entirely differently than I did, I would have had the, the, the knobs, if you will, to tweak and adjust in the moment and the art of engaging others in a giant cross-functional team to be a lot more effective. And that's really what it came down to. It, that light went off 
big time for me in hearing Kathy's presentation and then aligning with her and then at the Center for Seal and Swift really kicking off the emotional intelligence, which about a year later also ignited the, the need for cultural intelligence and really training our guys in a unique way that was going to bring them home more often. So it was just this, this, this culmination and this constant pivoting over there in Pakistan that when I look back on it, I was like, you know, if I'd actually had that kind of training and emotional intelligence and learned the art of dialing it up and down depending on what was needed in the moment, not from a manipulation perspective, but purely from a perspective of what creates a more effective working team the warrant and I would have been a lot more effective. We'd have gotten a lot more done, even though we got a lot done. Uh, I tell you what, Chris, um, you know, amen to that. Uh, it's just, and that's one of the drives, that, I mean, my biggest drive, and that's what I share with the audiences and groups and on this show as well. If I would have known what I know now, and I know that's cliche, but the emotional intelligence piece, especially being a senior leader at Dev Group, um, you know, it's it's funny. It's funny going throughout a career, and you just look at the old salts, and you're like, man, why don't they say anything? Because they're burnt out. They don't have any of the emotional intelligence training. Even though we have the best skydivers, we have the best equipment, we have the best vehicles, we have the best boats, we have, you know, unlimited funding, and we don't get the emotional intelligence training. And then looking back and saying, you know what? That's why we get burnt out because we don't understand how the brain operates. But most importantly, we're just so burnt out with all the relationships that we're constantly getting thrust into to be able to make, you know, diplomacy happen. And, you know, and then you see the ugliness of everything else that we, we experience. Um, but yes, I mean, it's the drive to get this type of knowledge and training is, it, it says it, I mean, it speaks volumes for itself, especially coming from leaders like yourself, um, that uh, to get this into the curriculum, but also get it early and often into the budding leaders, especially when you're traveling the globe at light speed and you're responsible for all these impactful um, decisions. Well, Matt, that's the, and that was the thrust behind the, the initiative that Kathy and I were discussing at that point in time. That's why I went up to the College of Executive Coaching and went through the coaching program because before I wanted to nominate it to all the warrant officers in the community, the warrant officers, they're literally the point of contact for the training at the command to formally train them on how to coach and, and, and use the coaching technique to help operators discover better versions of themselves and how to use the data to be more effective. That would have prepped warrants for a job after they retire, but it would have given that point of contact that people, you know, assessments aren't then just a piece of paper that go in a drawer someplace and people go back to doing right. what they've always done, getting what they've always yep. got, you know. So it was, you know, my, you know, my encouragement, you know, if, if you want to take it out to our first responders, having the training officer, the, the senior training guy become coached and, and, and trained in the concepts and constructs of being a coach, 
but then being getting them certified in some key instruments. I talk to people all the time, and I was like, you know, there's the, the Myers-Briggs and the DISC and, and the types of assessments that tell you what you show up with. You know, I'm a high DC, so I show up with, you know, a, a high challenge results and accuracy component that drives people nuts. But it's because I want the best outcome that possibly is for the people that are involved. But how I show up with those, that high challenge results and accuracy, that's the EQ piece. I can dial that up or down to be more effective. You know, my girls mm-hmm. were ecstatic when Kathy gave me, you know, um, Stephen Stein and Kathy gave me my debrief on my first EQI, and it was hilarious because it basically <laughs> said I had, no, I had no empathy. Now, mind you, I'm a team guy, and I think I'm brilliant because I am. And it, I, go home to my, I go home to my girls, my wife and my daughter, and I say, hey, um, you know, this assessment says I don't have any EQ or I don't have any empathy, and I think my empathy is pretty good. And my wife, you know, she started laughing, and my daughter spit her drink out her nose, and I'm just like, okay, this is not a good scene. Um, I'm like, so what do you mean? And my, my bride, Saunders, she basically just said, do you want an example? And, I, and, you know, mind you, I've been married long enough to not say yes to that, but, you know, I'll run into that wall again, no problem. <laughs> and I said, yeah, go ahead, give me an example. And she's like, what did you say to your daughter who you helped study for her exam in math for three solid days when she came home with that 88? Now, being a D, challenge, results, and accuracy, I basically said, what happened to the other 12 points? (laughs) Now, mind you, my daughter's challenged in taking tests. And what she heard was, she wasn't smart. I was disappointed mm-hmm. in her. I was frustrated with her. And I really didn't care that she got the 88. Now, that's not what I said. But that's what she heard. Empathy right. would have been, hey, I know how hard you studied for that because I tried to trick you on all the answers. And you still got them right. So I know that you know the information. I'm proud of you. Let's talk about that test later on. But let's go out to eat and celebrate. That's what she needed to hear. So getting that introduction into empathy and how to use it effectively, oh, my girls were ecstatic that I actually learned what empathy was, and it became a joke. They're like, oh, way to use your empathy, coach. And I'm like, no, I turned it off outside. We're having a disagreement now. Empathy went outside. Now, mind you, that's the best time to turn your empathy up is in the middle of those moments. But just learning the art of being able to actually use our EQ, I mean, the studies show that it's a three-to-one ratio, IQ versus EQ, of your overall success and effectiveness in life is to understand how to use your EQ. You can be brilliant, but if you don't understand how to engage people, it ain't happening. You're not going to be as effective as you would like to be. And it takes risk. It isn't like you can take this one time and do it. It takes reps yeah. and getting used to being able to do it. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a, a shout-out to our sponsors because they're the ones who are doing this hard work with us. And you'll be pleased to know that the National Command and Staff College is uh, in the process of launching a coach certification for law enforcement. Of course, I've been doing that for 
many, many years. The NTOA, National Tactical Officers Association, got on board with us back in 2016. And, uh, you know, we've certified many of their leaders and participated in the development of their SWAT team leader program. But we're really excited to be launching this coach certification program based on fearless leaders, which is uh, Matt's baby, because he talks a lot about fearless teams, fearless climate, and now fearless leaders. And it's also based on the work that you and I did uh, many moons ago, taking the fearless leaders book and turning it into 10 training modules. So you'll be happy to know those are actually getting rolled out. And I also want to give a shout out to Magnus Works, the resilience and well-being platform that's also our sponsor because they're incorporating coaching and the components of emotional intelligence into their platform. So lots of public safety professionals who are getting access to the app will have all that at their fingertips. So thanks for mentioning that. Certainly wasn't planned, but I do do uh, appreciate the opportunity to share that good news with everybody if they're interested. So, Chris, we are pretty much at the end of today's show. It went very fast. We did. You are a delight, as usual, and you have achieved so much uh, in, in very little time since you left the military. Uh, you're a performance coach. You've been an adjunct professor and a transition coach. You're doing such great work uh, with WinShape. What are you doing for yourself these days? For myself, um, it, it's a matter of looking at life and trying to squeeze every drop I can out of it. So I, I'm constantly trying to uh, look at myself and become a better version of myself so I can give a better version of me to those I love most, mainly my wife, my daughter, and my granddaughter. Well, these women seem to have a powerful influence on you. Good on them, I have to say, and a shout-out to all three of them with love. And uh, love to our audience, as you know. Uh, we can't give it to you enough. We thank you all for being with us. Continue to be with us on Fridays. Next Friday, December 22nd, we're going to have Dave Grossman with us. We hope you'll tune in. Matthew, any final words? No, I'm just looking forward to part two with you, Chris. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we share very similar thoughts on, you know, just off the tip of my tongue, if the guys that I led had some emotional intelligence, I wouldn't have so many fires to put out throughout my career. So, <laughs> get it all True that. Early. True that. It, it is a two-way street. It works both ways. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to wrap up here. Thanks for tuning in to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Please take Good care of yourselves. Be safe out there, and we love you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. <laughs>